0: Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hochberg, and this is episode number 129. Now and then, we see a really unique Royal Caribbean cruise out there that is not something regularly available. On this week's show, we have a look at a rare three-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas, as one of our listeners joins us to tell us all about it. We get a chance to look at what it's like on such a short Oasis of the Sea sailing through the eyes of someone who's brand new to Royal Caribbean, and... No Royal Caribbean Blog episode is complete without sharing your feedback. And so we have plenty of great emails to read. And this week's episode is also being brought to you by, well, you. You can learn how you can support the show and become a member of the Royal Caribbean Blog Insiders, where you'll have access to exclusive content, rewards, events, special products such as t shirts. Priority listener email access, early access to every podcast episode, bonus podcast episodes, and a whole lot more. It's completely optional and a great way to support the show, starting for as little as $1 per month. For more information, visit royalcaribbeanblog.com slash support. Here we go. When I first took up cruising, my family and I started off with a few cruises on Disney Cruise Line. We quickly found that cruising was our kind of vacation experience, and we learned more and more about cruising as we became you know, really interested in the topic. And as we moved forward, we became also keenly aware of other cruise lines that were out there. And Royal Caribbean certainly caught our attention for its creative marketing, seemingly massive ships, and of course the exciting activities. And once we tried a few Royal Caribbean cruises, well... We became hooked, and Royal Caribbean was our cruise line to go with, and we've never looked back since. This week, Royal Caribbean blog podcast listener Brian McKim joins us to talk about his first Royal Caribbean cruise, in which he took a very similar path to becoming a Royal Caribbean fan as well. So first of all, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Absolutely. And you know, I got to make sure I I shamelessly plug your website, millennialcruiser.com. So make sure our listeners check that out. I'll put a link in our show notes so that uh, folks can go check that out for you.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Now you just came back from a three night Oasis of the Seas cruise, your first cruise, and kind of unique in that it's a three night cruise for Oasis. And essentially why don't we why don't you first explain why was it a three night cruise?
1: Sure. And the reason why it's a three night cruise, usually the Oasis of the Seas, particularly, is on those seven night cruises, eastern, um, then western itineraries, but what happened was AFLAC, the insurance company, instead of having their nationwide conference in some place like Indianapolis or, or wherever <laughs> in a convention center, they decided, you know what, we're going to go rent out a cruise ship. So uh, they rented out the Oasis of the Seas for four nights. According to the staff on board, I was told it was at the princely sum of $10 million. So Matt, if you want to uh, get that up and we can have a giant rural Caribbean blog uh, group cruise for 10 million if you want to do that we can do that there maybe next year we can get an opening for that but um because they had that four night cruise there (laughs) and had that three night kind of gap in there to get them back on that saturday schedule so they could do that so we uh they, they had this three night cruise it was not booking i think as well as they had hoped and we kind of made it as a last minute cruise Really, uh, our first Royal Caribbean cruise, what we thought was going to be, is on uh, Freedom of the Season February, which we obviously still have booked. But it was one of those, it's been too long. We we just had a baby last year, and it's been about 18 months since we uh, took a cruise. So my wife and I were getting cruise fever. And last month when we saw the price really dropped down low, we really had to book it. So we, we booked this three-night cruise that kind of just fit well with our schedules, and it, it was really nice. It was it a was great cruise
0: that's great uh, I was busy counting my millions of dollars and uh, what's zero plus zero I'm not sure what that comes out to um, but any, at any rate obviously there's no better feeling than when you book that last minute cruise and you get you know that that the satisfaction of well not only did you book another cruise but you also have one coming up really quickly there and that's always a fun you know experience to be able to uh, to, to have and and to, and to hold on to so that's wonderful let's talk about When your your expectations, I think this is kind of something I want to take a little different angle than maybe we usually do, because, again, you're coming to Royal Caribbean for the first time. What were your expectations like, Brian, for a Royal Caribbean cruise and how did it match up with your experience?
1: Well, we certainly didn't know exactly what to expect. I mean, we we obviously listeners to your podcast really had our was really excited about everything that was going to be on, on the cruise ship. A large portion of the reason just kind of why we were going towards Royal Caribbean versus some of the other ones, um, we had cruised Carnival and Norwegian in the past, is like I said, we have a you know newborn daughter. And the nice thing about the Royal Caribbean ships, at least most of the newer ones, is that they have the nursery on board. So oh, that's yeah. actually why we booked the, free- the Freedom of the Seas cruise and um, why it really made this a nice easy fit with the Oasis of the Seas cruise as well. Now, Oasis of the Seas, knowing how, just how big it was. We had expectations, and, and they were blown away. I just everything on board from the dining and the um, activities, such as the zip line and the two flow riders, and then the Broadway production of Cats, which was great to see. Uh, I, I was really excited to see Cats. Cats was like the first Broadway show I saw uh, back many years ago, so it was really great to kind of see that again. Um, but a large portion of you know kind of our what we booked the oasis for was or in in row Caribbean as a whole was like I said the nursery, which was great, and you know for our listeners out there for these short cruises, most of the times the nursery isn't open on the first night I'm um, told, but on these three night cruises, and I think four night and maybe even five night as well, the nursery is open on the first night, so that was. Really nice so that we were able to put our daughter in the nursery, not that we didn't love her and didn't want to uh, spend time with her on our vacation, but allowed uh, my wife and I to go uh, eat at a 150 Central Park, which is really great. But as for expectations, we didn't know exactly what we were getting ourselves into and as big and great as Oasis we thought it was going to be, it was even bigger and better and, and so much more.
0: That's wonderful to hear, and dude, you're in totally good company with we love our kids, but we need some separation from them, and cruises are awesome, and they have a great time in the nursery, <laughs> so you should not feel guilty at all about that. I, I mean, we love our kids, and they have a great time in there, so it's it's win-win for everyone, really, and that's good to – actually, I, I also appreciate you sharing that tip because it's always been my experience that the nursery is not open on the first night. But I hadn't really thought about what happens on a shorter cruise. So, hey, we learned something there. Let's uh, let's change gears here a little bit. We talked to, uh, also about the fact that you were on a three night cruise. Short cruise. What kind of stateroom did you book for this one?
1: We booked actually a guarantee, and I am a very much a compulsive planner. And the fact that I'm putting my uh, sleeping arrangements in someone else's hands really kind of you know was a little. It it definitely had to to take a step out there for that. But it was only a three-night cruise, so we were really kind of just willing to, you know, what we got is what we got. You know, we still booked a guaranteed balcony, which um, was great. And we ended up having a great balcony on deck six um, on the port side. It was right by the aft elevators, which was really great, particularly on Oasis, because we were – all of about a 30-second walk from the Schooner Bar and and a 30-second walk from the whole boardwalk area, which was nice, particularly for my daughter one night. I think it was the first or second night we were getting her ready before the nursery or she was hungry and stuff like that. And that hot dog place is right there on the boardwalk. So we were before we were able to go to dinner and just trying to get her something to eat real quick while my wife, I think, was getting ready is I was able to uh, go get a hot dog at the... uh, at the hot dog place, go to the Sabor, um, the bar at Sabor, have a margarita, and feed her her hot nice. dog, drink my margarita, and, and it doesn't get any better than that, man.
0: <laughs> you don't have to convince me of that, huh, mom? You had me at Sabor, so that worked out. That sounds like you had a great plan there. Also, in terms of bringing your one-year-old daughter, she turned one back in September, so how was that experience like? How did it work out for you, and... Are you excited to take your daughter on your Freedom of the Seas cruise, or is it? Are you quickly dialing all your relatives to figure out how you can uh, have a nice sleepover for a week?
1: <laughs> no, I. I think we're still excited. I mean, our daughter. We've taken her, you know, to dinner and all these places. That you know, whenever we go out and do something, we're not one that the first step is to call a family member or a babysitter. So we've really had, you know, she's very good in public. Um, the biggest thing, though, is that. that that, that I can offer is, and I really kind of noticed this, you know, starting even with embarkation is kind of took some of your advice with, because we did a rental car is I dropped my wife and my daughter off of the port, gave, gave the porter all the bags and and, and said, wait over here, I'm going to go return the car, car and come back. And, you know, just thinking about that, just thinking about that, you know, whole process is that that's, I think the biggest thing when you're, when you're traveling with a child is first off, is and i think it's more than just an infant i think it's you know of any age is first off is you know flexibility that sometimes they're going to need a nap or they're going to not be up for doing something and you need to be flexible with with, you know what what you're going to do but i think the other thing too is that everything always seems to take an extra step or two you know thinking what you're going to do as such as you know getting to the terminal beforehand will just save a lot of frustration and problems later so we were good and and we had a lot of fun with her and she, and I think she had a lot of fun in the nursery and and we had a lot of fun you know e- even just kind of exploring Nassau with her because that's the only place where the, where the cruise went but I we're looking forward to it I think I think it's definitely you got to be a whole lot more flexible where in cruises past it's okay you know ship docks at eight I will will be off by nine o'clock we're going to be here at nine thirty we're going to and I'll have the entire day planned out uh, a minute which is. Probably part of my problem as a compulsive planner, but I think my <laughs> wife either enjoys it or hates it. Sometimes, probably a little bit of both, but it's uh, it's definitely having to learn to be a little bit flexible and, and and just knowing things and thinking things through and thinking, okay, she's going to the nursery. They don't have food at the nursery. What, we need to go, we need to go up to the Windjammer and get some milk, and we need to get Cheerios, and we need to get things to bring. We, what can she take to the nursery? Okay, we can get some bananas, and and, and just kind of thinking everything through is sometimes. The hardest part, but just, you know, as long as you go in through with the mindset that that's what you need to do, I think it's a lot of fun.
0: Absolutely. Great points all around. I think I, as someone who's cruised with uh, both my children when they were very young, and some of them are still very young, <laughs> I think your advice and kind of what you were talking about is just, I was nodding my head all along the way, makes sense. Um, now, of course. As you know, Brian, no Royal Caribbean Cruise is complete without some dining on board. And boy, you picked probably the the mother of all onboard dining in Oasis class ship. So uh, did you eat at any of these specialty restaurants on board?
1: We we did and and we were a little bit mindful knowing that we had the Freedom Cruise planned in February. We really wanted some experiences that were that we weren't gonna get on, on the freedom class, um, for instance, you know the first night on board for dinner, we had at 150 Central Park, and let me tell you, the, the Michael Schwartz restaurant. Let me tell you, it was absolutely amazing. And we, wow. we've eaten at places in, in very high end places in New York City and, and and all across you know the country, and and it was right up there with the service, with the food, you know, all the locally sourced ingredients, or a lot of them from from Florida. It was just absolutely amazing. And it's the it, – it was – you know, sometimes I'm a picky eater, you know, but it's the – some of these ingredients I wouldn't necessarily like by themselves, but together they're absolutely amazing. And the, and the chef just puts things together that you would never think would go together. And it's just, you know, so, it's such a great meal and such a great night. And it was really – it was really nice. And now a lot of the specialty restaurants we noticed for some reason on this three-night cruise really didn't seem to be packed. Um, for whatever reason, but it, was, it made for great experiences for us that, that we really we really enjoyed at so 150 Central Park. Um, another place that we, that we went on board now, this is on the Freedom, but it was kind of our first stop because my wife is like you, Matt, a lover of guacamole, so yes. literally we, were, we were, got on the cruise ship, we went to the nursery, registered my daughter, and then the next step was right to Sabor, and I, and and I, I I need to apologize you know to you for, for, that I tweeted at you the uh, the picture to make you a little jealous there but we were <laughs> a couple of margaritas in and having some fun so and the guacamole was was really great and I'm not a guacamole fan but my wife was and and she really said it's one of the best guacamole that she had and the fact that they wheel over the cart and they do that tableside guacamole that's really just absolutely great. Um, while she was having the guacamole, I, I did my part because you know we're a team. Is that I made sure that I tried to sample all the margaritas on on the menu there, and and I can say that they were all delicious in their own right.
0: Uh, someone's so, got to do it, right?
1: Hey, it, it's you know it's the cross that I bear, man. But um, <laughs> but you know one of the best things on that menu there too is is you know on the Oasis it's the à la carte. Menu that they do, so all of the things are reasonably priced and actually pretty cheap for for each different thing on the menu. So we got a bunch of things for lunch, and my favorite dish was the chicken stuffed jalapenos. That that you know when we go on the freedom in February, I think I may just tell them to keep bringing out chicken jalapenos until I pass out, and then <laughs> bring a couple more just in case.
0: That's awesome. It sounds like you <laughs> you did it right and boy, I'm I'm am of course super happy that you and your and your wife enjoyed the experience at sabor sabor is just I mean, I know I talk about it all the time, but it is just so good. And and I'm so glad. Sometimes I I wonder to myself, say, maybe I'm just maybe me, Matt, I'm just crazy and, you know, other people aren't going to enjoy it, but Everyone, a lot, quite a number of people have reported back that they've enjoyed it a lot as well. So that is awesome to hear. And yeah, all you can eat is back on freedom. So that's not a bad thing as well. And the other thing you mentioned, of course, 150 Central Park, which is a very uh, unique and interesting restaurant. And I think that that's something that a lot of folks, you know, maybe overlook. I know that it's got a a higher price tag, certainly. But uh, it is a quality restaurant. And if you were looking for a special night out, Or something to celebrate, or you're just looking for something different. Boy, that is the place to go to. It's real. They really do a good job with 150 Central Park. And uh, there was one other thing I wanted to mention, and and you kind of highlighted upon it, which was, you know, if you're, especially restaurants in general on Royal Caribbean, you know, I always talk about making reservations. I think it's a good idea. It's smart from a planning standpoint. It helps break up the cost of the cruise. But in reality, most restaurants. Uh, especially restaurants, I should say, on on ships aren't usually that full. That if you were to walk up, they wouldn't be able to seat you. There's been a couple times, like I've been on Chops, on maybe like a holiday, and it has been full. But by and large, you if you aren't sure about timing or if you're whatever, you know, you're not certain about a making a reservation for whatever reason, that's okay. There is still very much the ab- opportunity to walk up, and uh, that's something to definitely keep in mind when you're uh, considering and planning, you know, which restaurants you want to eat on which cruise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and we even discovered that on on the Oasis here is originally when I was planning in the cruise planner it was that I think I originally had us eating at 150 Central Park at 6 or 6:30 with with my thought that I drop the daughter off at of there and and would do that and then kind of I realized getting closer oh wait the nursery may not be open at this time. So talking with my wife and figuring out what to do and it, 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 we we figured well i've heard that the nursery might be open on the first night we'll see what happens there when we got to the nursery we found out yes they open at eight so then we went down to um central park while they're in in the afternoon to see of they do reservations and i went down there and said hey are, we have a reservation for six o'clock is it okay if we come like eight fifteen? you know with the nursery and everything like that and th- th- and it was just like oh yeah sure that's fine and i said do you want my name? Do you want to change it? Like, no, no, that's really okay. We're not that full tonight, so it was really <laughs> just kind of like you know, no problems at all. Whatever you want to do. Um, so th- that was that was really nice too. And an- another restaurant that I forgot to mention as well that we we ate at was was we tried the Izumi Hibachi, which nice. was a-, a really lot of fun. And we've been to Hibachi a bunch of places, you know, near us and on land. And you know, it was really about the show there. I mean, they had a, a great chef that they got from the uh, benihana in dubai i can't make that wow that, that yeah so that that's where royal caribbean found him was at the benihana in dubai and he was really a great chef and great art it, it was d- the only thing that was different between the hibachi on sea versus the hibachi on land was they don't do the giant fire and flames and things for obvious reasons uh, on a cruise ship but it, the show was even better and and it was he was a great artist with a with the hibachi, and, and we had a lot of fun with that. We actually did that on our last night. So we definitely were trying to take in as much as, as possible, and as much as we wanted to go to chops and we wanted to go to Giovanni's table, we decided to save that for February. And, and boy, am I looking forward to chops in February, though.
0: Nicely done. And uh, real quick before we let you go here, what you mentioned you had a guarantee and What kind of serum did you end up with, and how did you like it?
1: We ended up with with a balcony, and a, I don't know if it's a D one or an E one, um, or it might be actually a different a different number, but um, is basically just your kind of standard balcony stateroom um, on deck six there, and we, we loved it. We always book balcon- balconies. It's kind of the once you book a balcony, it's very hard to go back, and 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 this goes for whether we had a balcony or any kind of room. I think well, except for a suite, is you think cruise, you think cruise ship rooms are kind of a little on the small side generally, and but you still say, oh, okay, we can make it work, and we have space, and it's fine. You really don't understand how small the cruise ship rooms are until you try to put a pack and play in, in there, <laughs> which is pretty much the only the only space you kind of have to, to to really move around and relax. Right by the couch there, that's exactly where the pack and play goes. So, uh, which it, it, it was fine. It was, you know, it, it was no, no knocks to uh real Caribbean about that or, uh, cause obviously it's had to go there, but it, it was just kind of one of those funny things of, oh, this is, uh, yep, this, uh, yep, this is exactly what's going on. Okay. So, but we, we really enjoyed it and we really, uh, it, it was still, uh, still a lot of fun and it, and it was actually nice to have the balcony, particularly with, uh, with having, you know, the daughter that goes to bed at a you know, early hour was, you know, a couple of nights my wife, um, you know, put her down to bed, and then, you know, she kind of sat out on the balcony and had a drink. I think she did some of her live blogs and or and did some schoolwork as well on the Voom internet. And I said good night, honey, have a good one, and I went to the casino. So, you know, we we, we all enjoyed our vacation in, in our own own way.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. Well. Uh, Brian, before we let you go here, I want to also get to know you a little bit better as as a, as a Royal Caribbean fan. So I'm going to ask you a couple quick questions to get to know you. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. You ready? Okay. Uh, since you sailed on Oasis of the Seas, what is your best tip, number one tip, for someone going on Oasis of the Seas for their first time?
1: I think probably the best tip is Plan As much as you can, if you can plan things in the cruise planner as possible, really kind of, you know, it's, it might sound like a little bit of work ahead of time, but it will really save you time for a lot of the shows because they really do book up. We, we had that with Cats that there was a line all the way down to the, uh, the, the entire length where the theater was in the entertainment area. So if you really just kind of plan ahead of time and make your reservations and kind of think about your vacation ahead of time, you'll really kind of enjoy it and not be waiting in line the entire time.
0: Favorite restaurant on a Royal Caribbean ship?
1: I, I think I have to. Uh, well, I'm a little torn between uh, the two. We two of them we went to, but I think I'm going to have to say 150 Central Park.
0: Nice. Preferred drink while on a rollercoaster cruise? Uh,
1: the cold one that's in my hand. Uh, <laughs> but pretty much a lot of the, a lot of the beers that I, that, that I had at the uh, at the English pub. Which they will uh, for beer drinkers out there, they will make you a uh, half and half, of black and tan at the pub. Nice. So.
0: Favorite port to call to visit.
1: Favorite st thomas without a doubt
0: nice good choice and lastly favorite song on the radio or ipod today
1: besides your podcast matt
0: of course <laughs> well done yes
1: <laughs> uh probably been listening to a uh, little tegan and sarah a little bit closer
0: nice good choice well brian thank you so much for joining us and talking a little bit of royal Cribbon with us today
1: thanks so much thanks so much for having me matt
0: I don't think I say it enough, but I want to make sure I say a big thank you to everybody who's checking out Royal Caribbean Blog. I know that there's so many of you that take time every day, every week, every weekend, every other day, every fourth day, whatever the case may be, to check out Royal Caribbean Blog, read the blog, listen to this podcast, check us out on Periscope, and I love it all. Quite honestly, it's to me, it is so rewarding to see this kind of support from all of you, and, and it really means a lot to me, so much so that, you know, I've been thinking a lot about plans for the future and what I want to do. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of great feedback about the Royal Equipment Blog group cruises we've been doing. We did one in in 2015 on Quantum of the Seas. We've got one coming up in February 2016 on Allure of the Seas. And we've got another one planned for February 2017 on Navigator of the Seas. And I'll post a link in the show notes to all these group cruise events so that way you can get all the information you need. But I also want to take a chance here to say, you know, take it a step further and announce something else we're working on along those lines, because I recognize that no matter when I plan a group cruise, uh, short of planning a group cruise every week of the year, which I would not be opposed to doing, we're never going to get a schedule that works for everybody, right? Everyone's on different schedules. Everyone's got different bar mitzvah dates. Everyone's got different weddings and, you know, tonsil removals, if that's still a thing, and, you know, family vacations, and we've all got our lives going on, right? Bottom line. So what I wanted to do was make sure at some point I would love to be able to include as many people as I can. That's the goal of these group cruises, to get as many of my friends, you guys, on the cruise with me and, and to enjoy a Royal Caribbean cruise together. And that's why in 2016 we are going to be adding a second group cruise for the year. Now, as many of you know, we have Allure of the season, as I mentioned earlier, coming up in February. Which, by the way, there's still time to join us if you still want to make a last-minute reservation. But the thing is, if you... If, February, March-ish time frame just doesn't work for you. We've got a brand new one. We're going to be doing a group cruise on Freedom of the Seas, September 4th through the 11th, 2016. We're going to be visiting uh, the Western Caribbean. This is a really cool itinerary. It's one of the last ones that Freedom of the Seas is doing out of Port Canaveral. It's a wonderful ship. I've been on there many, many times. And I think this will be a lot of fun to be able to enjoy just a classic Royal Caribbean ship. You know, of all the ships I've sailed on, Freedom of the Seas I've sailed on the most, and Maybe there, there's good reason for it. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful experience, great crew, amazing ship. With It's got Sabor, modern Mexican. You, that's the theme developing among my group crews. So they've got to have some really good food on there. Well, we've got Sabor. We've got some fantastic entertainment, one of the best ice skating shows at sea, which is freedomice.com. And, of course, the wonderful itinerary, we're going, we're going to Lapadee. Who can go wrong with that? So if you want more details about this, check out our show notes which uh, over at royalcaribbeanblog.com we'll have a link right to the group cruise information it's again, it's leaving Sunday, September 4th which is actually the day before Labor Day so if you're taking that week off for this cruise you'd only have to take up four days for the cruise because Labor Day for most people is a, is a built-in holiday so to me, this is just bonus getting you only requiring less vacation time so that means it's more time that you can spend on the ship and you get another free day to spend throughout the year I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm inviting every one of you who's listening to my voice to join us on this cruise. It's going to be a great time, and this is an opportunity for folks who maybe can't do a cruise in the beginning of the year to join us for a cruise here on the second half of the year. And I'm hoping that this will become a tradition where we'll have at least two group cruises per year to work with. And, boy, I I can't wait for for all the group cruises because, of course, it's an opportunity to cruise with all of you. But this one's going to be really fun because it's freedom of the seas. It's just a wonderful ship. And some more details over at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Now, speaking of you, we have your emails to read, which is something we do every week. And if you want to send in your email, all you have to do is send me an email. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com and I will read your email in the order that I receive them. And our first email this week comes to us from Jared from Boston, Massachusetts. My family and I are heading out to the Wastes of the Seas in March on an Eastern Caribbean itinerary. One of our port calls is St. Martin, and no one in our group has ever been there before, so we're looking to you and the podcast followers for some ideas on activities. The only caveat is we have three young kids, five, three, and one, so trekking through the wildlife isn't an option. The beach seems like an ideal activity for everybody, but there seems to be a ton of options on the various websites I've visited. Any thoughts or on activities or particular beaches would be certainly appreciated. Jared, I got the answer for you. Now, you may have heard this already. We did an episode a little while back all about St. Martin. I will post a link in the show notes to it, Jared, so that way can go right to it and listen to that. But if you got young kids and you do 1, 3, and 5, perfect ages for this, there's a wonderful beach just over the Dutch border on the French side called Legallion Beach. L-E space G-A-L-I-O-N. Legallion Beach. It is a essentially a cove that uh, has all these rocks on the outside that block the waves. So it's basically an ocean pool. Like, there's just no waves at all. It's, it's, it's like a pond, <laughs> a lake kind of experience, but with the ocean. And it's perfect for kids who can't swim. One, three, and five-year-olds are usually children who cannot swim or are not very strong swimmers. And so this is a great opportunity for you because lots of families go here. It's a pretty easy drive there. And I've gone here, I want to say, at least three times when I've been to St. Martin because my daughters are very close in age to your children as well, Jared. and, And I think that it's going to be a perfect choice for you. So if I were you, what I would do is I would get off the ship, take a taxi over to Legallion, spend most of the day that they have a restaurant on the beach where you can order, you know, your typical beach food, right? I mean, they have sandwiches and burgers and <laughs> lots of drinks, very easy. It's very inexpensive beach, by the way. There's a small, modest fee to to have chairs and, and a palapa, if you'd like, uh, or I don't know if it's a palapa or if it's just an umbrella, but nonetheless, it's very inexpensive and it's probably the, one of the, the best beaches ever for, for children who cannot swim. Uh, I think you're gonna love it. And then afterwards if you want, the only thing I would say that we usually do with our kids is, you know, maybe we'll take our we'll have our driver bring us somewhere else to eat. Either we either we spend maybe half the day at the beach and then go eat or you know, we just want something else on the end. I would since you're already on the French line, I take a take a ride over to Marigot or uh, some of the other little towns in the area and grab something there but that's basically a really good way to spend your day and and I think again the reason why Legallian Beach stands out is because it is perfect for kids to be able to enjoy the water without fear of them being knocked over by waves or having to constantly hold them to be in the water if that makes some sense so uh, and I'll also post one more link Jared for you in our Shinotsu a review I did about Legallian Beach uh, a couple years ago that is still going to hold up for you and I think it's going to be the best option so Jared Hopefully this works for you and, and enjoy that cruise, my friend. Next up, we have an email from Linda Stevens who writes, "Hi Matt, love your blog. I, Linda, don't miss a single day. We last cruised Quantum in March, and we'll take our son and three friends on Indy, Indi- Independence of the Seas in April. We enjoyed booking our next cruise on board, so we've already dreaming about what 2017 will bring. Do you know if onboard credit deposited as a result of the Royal Caribbean Visa points can be used for the deposit at the next cruise desk?" That's a very interesting question, Linda, and I'm going to be honest with you. I don't have the Royal Caribbean Visa card. I know a little bit about it based on just my everyday going-ons. <laughs> That's definitely not a phrase in English, but we'll, we'll go with it. And I will tell you that when you're booking a cruise, the next cruise desk, so you're going there and say, hey, I want to book this particular cruise, or you want to do the open bookings, whatever, the bottom line is they're going to charge you, they're going to ask you for a credit card to be able to use for you know the deposit. You, you, don't, you don't charge it back to your CPAS account. You actually put a credit card down, and it's a separate charge above and beyond whatever your CPAS account is, and it's completely separate from it. And with that in mind, the way that you're asking is, can you use your onboard credit that you were deposited as a result of the Visa points. No, it doesn't sound like you can do that because, again, it doesn't hit your CPAS account. It hits your credit card directly. Now, again, I don't know a lot about the Royal Caribbean Visa card other than there are reward points and at certain levels of certain... You accrue some amount of points, you need to get certain rewards, right? Whether it be onboard credit, a free cruise, a stateroom upgrade, whatever. So to answer your question, the best thing to probably do would be actually not to deposit your points for onboard credit but to offset it based on the hit on your credit card you're gonna get from the next cruise, if that is an option. Or you may say to yourself, well, it's a better deal for you to just take it as onboard credit, and hey, the money you're spending onboard, you get, I believe you get like double points for it because it's an onboard purchase on Royal Caribbean, you know, that you'll work out, it'll. Double dip in, in essence, maybe. Who knows? But uh, the good news is, I'm hoping at least, is that you'll be able to understand what the uh, the implications are. But when you're making a, a next cruise booking, it doesn't hit your, it does not hit your C account. It's a direct hit. They're gonna ask for credit card information, and you make it in lieu of or in addition to what your. CPAS account covers and whatnot. So hopefully that makes some sense to you, Linda. And very good email. A very good question. I think it's uh, something that probably a lot of people have thought about. Next up, we have an email from Chris, who writes just a couple of comments regarding a recent podcast episode about your Brilliance of the Seas cruise. Number one, the popularity of the specialty dining venues was likely the result of it being a holiday sailing and a shorter cruise. On our 12-night Brilliance cruise, none of the specialty dining venues were more than half full and often less so. It's also possible that people were more willing to spend in order to celebrate the holiday You know, I think you may be onto something there, Chris. I do agree that obviously on a shorter cruise, people have more money to spend and people are more likely to do it. Also, you get a completely different crowd on a four-night Brilliance of the Seas cruise out of Tampa versus a 12-night Brilliance of the Seas cruise in Europe. I mean, you're just going to get a whole different audience completely. And I think there is very much a more of a uh, you know, let them eat cake kind of attitude among the guests. When you're at four nights, I mean, what are you? Gonna, how much can you really spend, right? How much damage can you really do in your seat account? Uh-huh. Well, I guess you probably do a little bit of damage, but I think people were more willing to spend it because you were right. We were selling over Thanksgiving, perhaps it was a festive atmosphere, and people were more willing to do it. I I don't think you're wrong about that. I think that that's a little bit of it, but I also think that if you were to go look at a lot of the other four night cruises out there that Brilliance does, I think you'd find similar experiences. I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, people are generally leaning towards those kind of options on the shorter cruise. It's very much highlighted among Royal Caribbean. They definitely, it's hard to go on that ship and not know that there are those options. And they, and they has a good reputation too. People love chops. People love you know, Izumi, it, it makes perfect sense. Chris also adds, I agree with your comments regarding Thanksgiving Etsy not replicating the experience at home. However, New Year's is different and similar experiences at home based on two New Year's Eve sailings. On The Legend of the Seas, which happened to be out of Tampa at the time, we had a formal dinner menu, received a souvenir copy of the menu, received party favors and noisemakers, and there were various venues on the ship to celebrate. The countdown culminated in a balloon drop in the centrum and the blowing of the ship's horn at midnight. A similar experience was also had on another cruise line out of San Diego. The bonus there is that the kids' clubs offered extended hours until 1 a.m. complimentary and had their own party, which was a nice bonus. Welcome back. I'm glad you enjoyed your cruise. P.S. at t isn't happy with the number of Periscopes of viewers I've been watching. I received a notice that I've already used 16.5 gigabytes and will be throttled if I see 22 gigabytes. Thank goodness for an unlimited data plan. Ouch. Well, um, well thank you for supporting Periscope. I love doing those Periscopes. As anybody knows, Periscope is a app on smartphone devices that you can broadcast from, and I do a Periscope every day talking real Caribbean, so if you want to follow me and watch me on there, hey, I'd love to have you in there, because so you can chat with me live, it's really, I think it's a lot of fun. All you have to do is download the app it's completely free, it's called Periscope, like the thing a submarine has, and you just have to follow me on there, the RCL blog, just like my Twitter handle, and there you go, and you'll get notified when I go live, and hopefully you won't get the nasty grams from at like Chris did. Interesting thoughts, though, Chris, about New Year's Eve and and kind of the holidays. Holidays on cruise ships are definitely different than they are at home. And I think that's by design, right? People aren't looking for, you know, a a Norman Rockwell-type experience. (laughs) See, they want to have fun. They want to – in many cases, people want to forget it's a holiday or they want to celebrate new ways of celebrating, not the same old, same old, right? And I totally understand that. I just think for me, I kind of looked at it was – I was on there and I had to remind myself, like, it's Thanksgiving because it didn't feel like Thanksgiving. When I'm at home for Thanksgiving – but I know it because first of all, everyone's at home, right? the get the family coming over, you're cooking all day. you're watching the football games. you're you know you're 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 talking to your great aunt and and cousin from Toledo, and it's like, okay, you know, uh-huh. it has that air of I guess. To borrow a phrase from "Filler on the Roof tradition, you know—it's it, that's what reminds you, it's, it makes it feel like a holiday. And I think that being at sea and it just feeling like a cruise, it's like, oh yeah, it is a holiday, isn't it? So uh-huh. definitely a different experience, and I'm not sure I wouldn't do it again, because I did enjoy it. It was a lot of fun, and it was a nice break, uh, but certainly something that was worth mentioning that it definitely does not feel like you're on a holiday when you're at sea. Next, we have an email from Katie Spencer from Melbourne, Australia. My parents have planned a cruise for my 18th birthday, leaving uh, for an eight-night South Pacific from Sydney, Australia on Exploring the Seas. This is my fourth cruise, as I've also been on Alert of the Seas, Legend of the Seas, and Radiance of the Seas, which my parents got married on. The ports are Isle of Pines, New Caledonia, Mystery Island, Vanatu, and Nomiya, New Caledonia. All these places have a drinking age of 18. I know Royal Caribbean is an American cruise line and drinking age is 21, but I was wondering if they have the drinking age on cruises where all ports have a drinking age of 18. I probably won't be a heavy drinker, but I wouldn't mind trying a lobadoozy. Love your show, my whole family does. We listen to every time Dad ever listens to it two times. <laughs> we some we hope to go on a group cruise with you soon, but I need to finish high school. Katie? Love your gumption and your dedication to schooling, because as soon as you graduate high school, boy, it's nothing but group cruises for you. I can't think of a better graduation present, right? Mom and dad, right? Right? All right, Katie, so here's the answer to your question. The good news for you, I suppose, is the minimum age to consume alcohol on Royal Caribbean ships sailing from South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, and New Zealand is 18. So, because your ship is leaving from Australia in this case, you're covered. It's only cruise ships that, Royal Caribbean cruise ships that leave from North America, where the drinking age is 21. And the only exception is the minimum age to consume alcohol at all for Royal Caribbean's private destinations remains 21, regardless of where the sailing originate from. So, if you went on some like 120 night sailing from Sydney to Labadee, which would be amazing, you're so, you won't be able to drink. But that being said, the policy is that because your cruise originates from again either South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, or New Zealand, the drinking age is 18. So, you, my dear Katie, will be, I think, old enough to drink, and you can enjoy your uh, you can enjoy your 18th birthday while at sea and explore some amazing ports. I got to tell you, boy, you all you down under and overseas get to enjoy some amazing ports. Probably, I mean, I know we have a lot of cruise ships here in North America, but. But you have a great selection to choose from. And quite honestly, Royal, I mean, Royal Caribbean and cruising in general has never been so popular down under. So you're you're living in a golden age of, of cruising for, for Australians. So enjoy it. And Katie, I look forward to seeing you on a group cruise coming up because that would be awesome sauce. <laughs> Next, we have an email from Chris honet of Atlanta, Georgia. Chris. Chris is a good friend of mine. And by good friend, I mean I – I bug him a lot, but he's a very good friend. <laughs> and Chris writes, Hi Matt, I need your help planning our day before embarkation. We are cruising on Freedom of the Seas in June 2016. Our cruise leaves Port Canaveral on a Sunday. We are flying in. My family is flying in on Friday night. I We would like to spend a Saturday at a beach, and we would like to have transportation to the port on Sunday. As of right now, the, all the options are on the table. Rental car, hotel, Airbnb, Uber. How would you plan this for me, and what would you do? Wow. What a question. All right. So you're going to your cruise which is Freedom of the Seas and then leaves on a Sunday and you're coming in I guess on Friday night and you want to spend the day at the beach on Saturday and you would like to have transportation to the port on Sunday. Best option by far, no question about this. If the, if you're staying for more than a couple of hours or, or just an overnight which sounds like you're doing two days, you want to rent a car. It's going to be the most like, least expensive way for you to do it. I got to think unless by some miracle it's, you know, really expensive, but Florida is usually very good about about rental car prices, especially if you're flying into Orlando, which I would probably bet you're going to do because it's the closest major airport to Port Canaveral and Merritt Beach and Cocoa Beach and all those areas over there. So if I were you, I would definitely rent a car from wherever you're living from and probably target flying into Orlando as your option because again, the rental car market there is so strong. Coming from Atlanta, there's obviously a ton of flights going to Orlando, blah, blah, blah. Very easy options. Now, The thing is, where are you going to go for your beach? You know, a lot of people would ordinarily start looking at beaches close to the port. That's going to be Merritt Beach and Cocoa Beach, which are fine beaches in the grand schemes of things. But I'm a bit of a beach snob, I'll be honest with you. I think there are better beaches. And since you've got a little bit of time on your side and you're coming in on Friday night and what's another, you know, 30 or 45 minute drive one way or the other, I would say you should look at some other beaches a little, I would say either a little further north or a little further south of the Port Canaveral area. The beaches I'd be t- looking at would be Daytona Beach or St. Augustine Beach on the north side versus on the south side of Port Canaveral area, you're probably looking at something like Vero Beach or Port St. Lucie, something that's a little bit in that general ballpark. The the reason is is those beaches are a little bit nicer in terms of not only the beach itself, but also the surrounding communities. It's more of a beach town, so to speak, and it gives that... that typical a1a florida vibe that i think is gonna be a little nicer for your experience and if it were me this is what i would do so i would rent a car i would fly into orlando friday night rent that car drive to one of those find the best deal it really doesn't matter of the four i mentioned there it really doesn't pick whichever one you know floats your boat in terms of pricing the hotel amenities and and all that jazz whatever you want to do Uh, You can look at certainly renting a a beach house, but for one night, it's probably not going to be worth it. You're probably looking for a hotel. Nonetheless, whatever, figure it out. There's plenty of great options. I don't think you'll have any issue finding something there. Book something. Enjoy the beach on Saturday. That way, also, because you have the car, now you can go do other things. Like at night, when you're done with the beach, you know, you want to go to a nice dinner somewhere, you can go a little further. There's lots of options. If you have a car, boy, it certainly opens things up for you. And then, obviously, on Sunday morning, you take your car, drive to Port Canaveral, drop everybody and luggage off at the port, and then you drop the car off at your whatever place you're renting the car from. Almost all the major companies offer a complimentary shuttle back, but make sure you drop everybody and the luggage off first at the port, and so that way you're the only person coming back and the only thing coming back, and that way you get some uh, options for you in terms of, uh, of being able to uh, come back without having to worry about like, we well, you gotta wait for a shuttle to have enough space for you and the family. This is a mistake I've done many times. And I said, ah, I'm not doing this anymore. Drop everybody in the, f- and the luggage off. And then there's always room for one more person. There's hardly ever room for another piece of luggage. So Chris, I hope that makes some sense to you. Good luck with it. Let me know what you end up choosing, especially that hotel the night before. I would love to hear where you end up. All right, let's move on to our next email. And it is from Jose Pena, my very good friend. Who writes, I just listened to your podcast. I have a question and comment. On my back-to-back on Jewel these past two weeks, there was not not a fold-out cruise compass to carry around. Not sure why. Also, I have two weeks' worth of cruise compasses. How can I get them to you so you can put it in the blog in both English and Spanish? Wow, nice. P.S. Not sure about the 2017 group cruise since I have a back-to-back on Navigator the last week in November, the first week of December 2016. Let's start with your P.S. Number one. Jose, there is always, always, always more time for cruising, especially on Navigator of the Seas. I don't want to, there is no such thing as too much Navigator of the Seas cruise, my friend. Do them both. You'll love it. You'll thank me later. All right. Now on to your questions. Number one, the foldout, it is there. It's, it's been there on every cruise. What you had to do is actually on the last page of your cruise compass, if you look at it, you look very closely, you will see in the very middle of it, a little dotted line and some instructions on the very side. It's not the most obvious thing in the world. They don't put like, you know, blinking lights around it. But what you're supposed to do is actually fold it a couple times and you rip it out and it is, uh, then you can fold it. So it's not like an insert in addition to, you're basically taking the main page and you're folding it around. I saw this on every cruise I've been on recently, including my brilliance of the seas cruise because that's what I did on one of those days. So uh, I'd be frankly shocked, Jose, if that wasn't the case. Uh, but of course, you're about to send me hopefully those cruise compasses and I can uh, take a look at it myself. The other thing, and this is true, very if you have those cruise compasses, I would love it because we post actually at and we have an archive of cruise compasses going all the way back to 2010. So that way folks that are planning cruises can go to one easy to find place to find all the cruise compasses that are out there. I've got some amazing folks that send me cruise compasses every time they go. I am quite honestly amazed and and honored that so many people take some time out of their days to plan and and share with me their cruise compasses. Here's the thing though. I don't have a scanner. I used to have one then it broke and then I was just gone because it broke and never replaced it. So if you do have a cruise compass, Jose, or anybody out there, I gotta ask you if you gotta scan it on your side, because if you send it to me, it's just gonna sit here in a pile and end up in the trash eventually. So if you can scan it, that's wonderful. All I have to do is just, I don't care how you scan it, I don't care how it comes in, but all I have to do is scan it, just send me an email, and we'll arrange a means of getting it to me. But that's the easiest way to do it, and Jose, hopefully, be able to get those cruise compasses over here, especially the Spanish one. I don't think we have any Spanish cruise compasses, and I'm sure there will be a lot of people that will enjoy that. So, muchas gracias, uh, my friend. Appreciate that. All right, time for one last email. One last one. All right, let's go to our uh, last email of the day, and uh, I'm going to dip down low for this one. Ah, it's coming to us from Laura. Right, i Love the podcast and your enthusiasm and passion for Royal Caribbean. It was great to meet you on the Quantum of the Seas in March, and has been an amazing experience to witness the growth and continued success of the block. I'm currently a diamond. I've four nights to go. Ugh, and we'll be doing consecutive cruises on Jewel of the Seas coming up soon. I will become a Diamond Plus member after the first week, but I want to know if I should receive the perks of the Diamond Plus member for my second week of the cruise. Do you think the staff will accommodate that on board? What are your thoughts on this? I know in the past it has taken some time for the staff to recognize your elevation status. Great question, Lauren. First of all, thank you for the very kind comments. and It was a pleasure to meet you over on Quantum. We had a great time on there. A lot of us did, in fact. So here's the answer to your question. The answer to your question is yes, it can work. Here's what you should do. If you're, if you're in the situation where you're doing a back-to-back or cruises is very close to each other and you are going on – and after cruise number one, technically your status will go up to the next level. As many of you probably are aware, it takes a couple weeks for Royal Caribbean to get their act together and, and process it. It's it, There's a lot of processing. I mean, it, there's a lot of people involved. It's not like someone just sitting around waiting for you to, to do it. So obviously there's a lot that goes into it. That being said, what you should do – if you're on a back-to-back, what I would do on week one is go to the loyalty ambassador – and speak to the loyalty ambassador and say, hey, I'm my name is so-and-so. After this, we're gonna be on the next sailing, but after this sailing, our status is gonna change. Can you help me out with this? If you do that, that usually is gonna work out pretty darn well for you in terms of them being able to accommodate. Because I've heard of many people who have done this and it's worked out well. Now, if you sit there on your hands and hope that they'll recognize it, I think it's more of a crash, and quite honestly, I don't think they'll probably know or or do anything for you because. You know, they're, they're, they've they got a lot of stuff going on. The system is a system. I don't know why, quite frankly, it takes like six weeks for the system to update. But nonetheless, it does. And so it is what it is. So my best advice to you, Laura, is go there to the Loyalty Ambassador on your first cruise and let them know exactly what is what your situation is. And they should be able to help you with that. An emphasis on should. But I've everything I've heard from other people who have done something similar to this, they haven't had a problem with that. And they'll be able to hook you up with, obviously, your new perks you might not be able to get things like I, I don't know if there's like some you know specific commemorative thing but obviously if you're going let me give you a better example if you're going from emerald to diamond and you wanted to get start getting your diamond level your club access or you want to get those free drinks hey those are things they can help you with the discounts right those are also things that that's what the loyalty ambassador is there for so laura i hope that works out for you and uh, laura i hope to see you on another uh, cruise we have many group cruises coming up and i know you were there on our on our first one on quantum of the season would love to see you and your family join us once again for uh, for another one because we had a great time on board i thought so Very good. And, of course, that'll wrap things up for this episode. Man, I can't believe we spent this much time talking Royal Caribbean. There just doesn't seem to be enough time talking Royal Caribbean, right? Every day, I'm like, no, I'm going to answer a couple questions, and it ends up being however long, and I say, wow, I can't believe it. And now I'm just yammering on about Royal Caribbean and how much I love talking (laughs) about it. Uh, good job, Matt. All right, well, of course, if you want to send me your emails, I'd love to read them here so I can yammer on about your emails rather than me talking about whatever I'm talking about. Send me an email, matt at RealCaribbeanblog.com, M-A-T-T at RealCaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.